0: What's wrong with you people?
1: Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast, and I am back from a million-mile road trip to and from Orlando with pit stops along the way in Clinton, Mississippi, Tallahassee, Orlando, Daytona, Hattiesburg, Shreveport, and back home in Farmersville, and to say I am tired and exhausted and needing a vacation from my vacation, I am grateful to be looking at your ugly face, Kyle Non-Alcoholic Beerman. We are glad to be back, glad to join you today, and glad you have joined us for this final part, I believe, of our series on why churches die we could keep coming up with reasons maybe not on the nam replant blog because there are many uh there are many. before we do we want to remind you that if you are looking for trustworthy christian higher education that equips you to think biblically reason truthfully and share god's word effectively texas baptist college is the right place for you tbc focus is christ-centered scripture driven and student focused in the best way to experience it is to attend its Spring Preview Day on March 31st Kyle, that is right around the corner. And if you come, Kyle, I know this really isn't your cup of tea. You're done with the whole bachelor's thing, I think, for a while, or you would become a bachelor if you did go back to school. But if you did, you would get to tour the campus, speak with faculty, chat with students, and experience the unique campus community of Texas Baptist College during Spring Preview Day. You can register today at texasbaptistcollege.com forward slash preview. And I mentioned a moment ago, Dr. Kyle, we have come to the end of the road.
0: Maybe I may have a couple more blog posts coming on this because we, we, we have some we more have more podcast
1: content. If not, <laughs> I don't know what we're going to talk about. But today we are talking about why churches die, part seven. Seven, the number of completion. Unless you're Kyle and you want to continue this thing and beat this dead horse, like somebody with an open mic at the SBC annual meeting. That'll be here soon enough. But until then, Kyle, I got a joke for you. You want to hear yeah. a joke? Yes. Ready I for love it? jokes. I heard of a struggling church said they wanted a new young pastor with some brand new ideas that would change everything and reach the <laughs> lost. Have you, have you heard that joke before? But
0: I, uh, yeah, I, I think I've been that joke before.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, do we have some stories here that we will not share No, we to will protect not. the guilty. Uh, Kyle, we're talking today about rejecting pastoral leadership. That is the seventh reason why churches die. None of these are necessarily in order. This is just one of seven reasons that churches die. They reject pastoral leadership. And off the bat, Because of the environment, because of everything else, we we do need to make a caveat is that we are not advocating blind obedience by a congregation or pushing for pastoral leadership to go completely unchecked. No checks and balances, all of that kind of stuff. Like if the pastor says it, it goes. Like there's my way and there's no highway option, like the Ben Diesel quote from (laughs) Pacifier. But there does need to be some accountability. But there also needs to be some acceptance and submission to faithful pastoral leadership. And that's what we're going to talk about today based on Andy Addis's article that you ran on your blog on Why Churches Die, Part 7, They Reject Pastoral Leadership. So, Kyle, talk about it. You've never experienced yeah, so, it. So, so we'll, we'll talk so, hypothetically.
0: So, so Hebrews 13, 17, right, gives us the precedent here. That says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Said so no here,
1: pastor ever.
0: Right. Yeah. So, so, I mean, the writer of Hebrews is here addressing believers, right, and, and telling them they need to submit to the leaders over them. Now, in the Baptist world, we have a really unique system. Right, so so our Methodist friends don't don't really get to select their pastors. They're they're kind of told this is this is who you're getting right. And I mean, you can fight that, but I've been told you get put on a list if you if you fight that, or if the path, if the pastor says I don't want to go to this. Like there's there's a list. So I, Baptist churches call our own pastors, our own ministers, right? I was I was sitting here trying to think like in what other arena of life do does a group of people who call their own leader then turn around and so easily reject the leadership of the person whom they have called
1: Dallas Cowboys.
0: <laughs> well, the team is not selecting that that leader. That that leader is being selected by one person. The. Uh, omnipotent ruler of the Cowboys <laughs> universe <laughs> um, hey,
1: I, think, so, hey, I think Ezekiel Elliott is getting cut today
0: yeah, we'll hear. see yeah. we'll see Anyway,
1: um, sorry so, ADD
0: <laughs> but, but just, but just, just consider this right like like churches and sometimes a month long sometimes years long process has finally found this person and they feel God is calling to come and shepherd them and lead them and as soon as that shepherd tries to do some leading and, and begins to do that, that one big scary word, right. Change. What happens? People sometimes immediately say, Whoa, 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 That's not what we, meant. we, we said we were ready for change, but we didn't know that was going to mean this. Yeah. Right. We said we were open to change. We, we said in, in the, one instance I'm not as pastor, and one instance that I experienced from the church I was on staff, folks said, Hey, we want to reach young families. And so um made some changes and immediately started reaching young families. Do you know what the response was? Hallelujah, we're reaching young families. This is what we asked and prayed for, right? Nope. N- no, no. It was why are you changing everything? Yeah. So and again, this is not like like the pastor says hey, I think we need to um, build a water park next door, and that's going to be the thing that revitalizes our church. and It's going to cost us $12 million, and we just need to go out on faith. right? That's not following every harebrained hairbra- scheme, but it is trusting that the Lord is leading this man whom you have called to be your pastor, whom you believe God has called to be your pastor, and not Pushing back on every little thing, right? I mean, even down to. I mean, I've heard churches that like the worship service would go from sixty to seventy minutes because the the pastor wanted to incorporate some like corporate prayer time, and there was major pushback over those ten minutes. Like, like follow. Like if you if you called him to lead, let him lead without having to jump through a ton of hoops to get every little thing um, approved and then shoot it down just because you, because there's a control issue in your church. if that's the way that it, that it operates.
1: Yeah. I, uh, Oh, I gotta be careful. Uh, (laughs) So I, I don't care. I don't care anymore. Uh, I had a church member uh, that said, God may have called you here, but I didn't. And made it very clear. And like, I could say, Hey, what what bible translation would you like me to preach from and you know they could say i don't know word on the street i could start preaching from word on the street and they would gripe it it just didn't matter there was no placating this person they were adamantly opposed to anything i said and were longing and praying for the day that we packed our bags and left and uh, and so you know one of the things that andy points out is that a good church member will see a pastor as god appointed inspired And led leader, the one that God has placed there, you know, to use the kind of abused line for such a time as this, it has been called there to discern that particular community, guide that particular church to spread the gospel where that particular church is found. And so that's why they are there. That's why God sends them there. That's why they are there. And so a good church member will recognize that and rightfully follow that. As we You know, as we mentioned earlier, insofar as there's accountability, they're faithful, all of those kinds of things that that in in this we we have to address too, because there is abusive leadership. And so that's for a topic for for another day. That could probably even be another one of the why churches die is is when a pastor is left unchecked and just runs people over and just all the bodies behind the bus and NDAs flying out the wazoo. I mean, all of that kind of stuff. But if you call him pastor and if you called him there, you are a part of that church, a part of that body, and that pastor is therefore leading you. And so you are to submit and follow that. And the unfortunate thing is the bad church member, the toxic church member, is the one that's just going to ignore everything he says, criticize everything that comes out of his mouth, you know, is going to outlast him. Right, or we've talked about it before. Like maybe we can't fire him, but we can freeze him out, you know, (laughs) you know, or cut the electricity, the heat, or whatever from their house, uh, you know, something like that. Um,
0: And I've seen it happen. I've I've never had it happen, thankfully, but I have seen that happen.
1: Yeah. And uh, so, Kyle, talk talk a little bit about this about maybe how pastors can garner some support. We've talked about before kind of how church members tend to fall in three categories: your friends. Those that believe you hung the moon and will do anything you say, even if it's crazy. Those that will not do anything you say, no matter how (laughs) godly and biblical it is. And then those that are kind of on the fence. And sometimes when you first come, those on the fence are those that that's their church, probably no matter what. They're just kind of watching to see if this is their guy who they really want to support, that kind of thing. They're just sort of on the fence. How can you kind of garner some support from them?
0: Yeah. Um, you you build relationships. Uh, you spend time um, in their homes, in restaurants and coffee shops. You spend time in hospital rooms with them um, and, and you, you let them get to know you and you get to know them. And some of that takes time. Right. I mean, you're, you're not going to do that overnight. Um, another way that you can do that is to come in and, and as Mark Clifton says, focus on uh, really some some low-hanging fruit, quote unquote, easy wins, right? And so, like, I mean, if you're coming in in the summer and and or summer's coming and you haven't your church hasn't done much of a VBS, you you start something like that and you get 20 kids in, that's a win. And you you begin to do those things, you begin to build relationships in the community, baptize a few folks that that can win people over really quickly and and show them that you don't just care about making changes, you you care about reaching your Community, for the sake of the gospel. Um, but let me offer one one caveat here. Um, not all criticism, not all pushback, is rejecting pastoral leadership. You, you know, sometimes it, especially if we have, if if as pastors, we we feel like we have a very clear leading from the Lord, and in in many cases we we've spent months you know refining that and, and and you know maybe putting that into um into an easily memorizable um format for the church and and when we present that it's not always received with the enthusiasm that we would like right or I mean it could be even as simple as hey I want to move our uh, I want to move our Wednesday night from the, the sanctuary into the fellowship hall, right? Those kind of things. When when you get pushback on those things, that's not necessarily that they're rejecting your leadership. It might just be that they don't completely understand wh- what it is you're trying to do and where you're trying to lead the church. Because often, as I said, we by the time we come to the the place where we're presenting that to a committee or to the church, we've you've probably been wrestling with that for months as a pastor. And you've had a lot of time to clarify it, and you—it's almost like we expect the the committee and the church body to accept on first go this thing that we've wrestled with for months, right? So you've got to make sure that you have that you're giving them time. You got to make sure that you are communicating clearly the purpose behind the changes. Now there may still be some that are just absolutely like no, hundred percent not, or you know I'm never going to do that. Um, but but don't mistake just. Pushback or criticism as rejecting of pastoral leadership. In some cases, it's just showing that they they don't understand the purpose of, of the changes. I think most people. Let, let me. I think. Let me. Let me. Let me put that caveat out there. I think most of the time, if folks grasp the purpose behind a change, they're more okay with the change. Than if it's just hey this is what we're going to do and this is what we're going to do and this is what we're going to do without explaining the real purpose behind it
1: and and I want to add to that maybe if they don't necessarily see that change as as great wonderful or something they're really interested in if they know that you love the Lord and that you love them and that you you are meaning well leading well and and you've built some of that trust they'll go with you even if they can't see the why. A hundred percent, even mm, if they're sure. not a hundred percent on board with the why, um, that they know that you love them Definitely. and that you're ultimately trying to obey the Lord and fulfill what he's called you to do to reach the loss, whatever it is. They'll, they'll, they may not all, but many will go with you kind of because they, they simply trust you because they know you love them. Um, just like once, hey,
0: once that relationship has been developed and that trust yeah. has been built over time. Yes,
1: yeah. Because I, I mean, think, th- think about, just how we are as normal human beings. if somebody that I would never in a million years take advice from criticizes me, I'm probably not taking it to heart because that person doesn't love me, doesn't you know care for me, all of that kind of stuff. The same thing is is true here is if they know that you you love them, you love the Lord and and you have sought prayer counsel, all of that kind of stuff, built support all they'll they will tend to go with you, even if they don't 100% understand the why. And uh, and so that's something too important. And that's that goes back to the whole preach, pray, love, and stay that we have run into the ground here, that y'all uh, talk about all the time, that we've written about and replanting rural churches, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, we, we can't overemphasize enough the need to yeah. love the people that you have today. They're not, I think, as, what does Mark say? They're not obstacles. They are your ministry. Yes,
0: absolutely. The people the people in the pews are not obstacles to your ministry. They are your ministry. These are the people whom God has called you to lead. Um, and, and I'll say this, so if you are a brand new pastor in, in a church, or if you are getting ready to go be a brand new pastor at a church, um, almost every church, if they're calling a new pastor, if they understand that in, in some way that they are in need of being revitalized, you are going to hear, we are ready to change. We, we, we're we ready to do whatever it takes. Um, I've seen some pastors get in really hot water really quickly because they believe that hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> and so when they heard, hey, you uh, know, oh yeah, we're, you know, as church, we're ready to change. We're ready to do whatever is necessary. The pastor believed that. And I don't think they're outright lying to you. I think but, but I think their idea of change and the pastor's idea of change are probably just so vastly different that when he comes in and, and if, if he takes that as a blanket slate to, well, they said they're ready for change. Here we go. Um, all of us have a capacity um, to, that where we can accept change. There is, but there is a limit. And if you exceed that limit, you go too fast. Um. Yeah. You. You will get major pushback, and and you your leadership might be rejected because you are you're moving at a pace that that they can't keep up with, and and that's not necessarily their fault, right? Imagine if somebody came in to your house and said, um, "Hey, I, I think this thing would look better here." Okay, that's one thing, right? But if they come in and they say, "Hey, I think you, you your master bedroom needs to move to the other side of the." of the house. And then they immediately start doing it. Like you're going to, you're going to have some pushback. Hold hold on. Right. Don't, don't do that to your church. Move slowly. This is what Mark talks about. Mark Clifton talks about with tactical patience. Um, There are things that you can change immediately. There are things that are going to take the more um, relationship equity in order to be able to change. and, and, and then there are preferences that you would say, hey, I would like to change these things eventually just because this is the way I would really like for things to be set. Um, don't immediately begin pushing them because that's where leadership will be rejected. And and I would say in some of those cases, um, they, they have every right to reject. If it's, if it's just for the sake of, uh, this would make me feel more comfortable as a pastor. This is how I prefer things rather than, hey, this actually helps us reach our community. Um, you you don't want to be a pastor who is building a church based on your personality and your preferences.
1: Yeah. End of the day, the formula should be pretty simple. Pastor, be a good shepherd. Be a good leader. Patiently, steadfastly. Remember, by perseverance, the snails reach the ark. Um, You know, be a good leader. The other side of that coin is church member, be a good follower. All of y'all ultimately looking to the true shepherd of the church, Jesus Christ. And uh, and so what a joy it is to serve the people of God, to lead the people of God, and to ultimately see what only God can do in, through, and in spite of you. So send us out, and uh, and then we'll see what next week holds for, uh, uh, yeah, and maybe for Ezekiel Elliott.
0: Yeah. That's right. Hey, thanks for listening. And until next time, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare.
1: What's wrong with you people?